So now it seems like the 420 punk show is like, how are they gonna do it? Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Is that at the Loving Tank? Um, like the 420 the gig? Yeah, I think oh, it's the Loggerhouse. Oh, the Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, cause I was gonna say, it's gonna be weird if it's at the Loving Tank because there's no uh, re entry. Right. <laughs> And you can't smoke indoors for obvious reasons. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I don't know. I, to be honest, I, I was entirely hands off on that show. Ian was just like, I want to do this. Maybe it can be the Easy Beach release show. Oh, like, that was Ian's idea? Yeah, he was like, <laughs> I really want to do a 420 fest. Can we do this? And Kyle and I were like, fucking send it, sure. Yeah. And it was funny because at the time I didn't smoke. So I didn't do it. And now I smoke quite a bit. And I'm like... Fuck! I should have put myself on that. Is that is this a new development that you started smoking? Like, yeah. do you never did? Like you said, you weren't. That just wasn't a period that we you weren't put smoking. This on but the like, no, it, it was. I I was straight edge for a long time, and then uh, I'm younger than people think because I've been doing this for a long time. But I'm only 22. Oh, okay. On my 21st birthday, I drank for the first time, like first time ever. Yeah. Uh, I just had really strict parents, so I just <laughs> didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I drank for the first time on my 21st and I smoked weed for the first time on my 22nd. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, that's, it's probably, it's, it's not really as big of a deal as it, as it feels like before you've done it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it went from like something I had to really hype myself up for to like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's 11 o'clock. Let's take a hit. Like, yeah, why not? It's almost nothing. Like, obviously you have to be smart about sometimes like when you're, God, I can't even, when I first started smoking weed, it was so different. Yeah. Like it changes your brain. It, 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 I mean, it definitely changes your brain in the sense of like, I'll never feel as high or the way I did when I was like first getting high back in the day, you know? Yeah. Cause it yeah. totally changes like your perception of what being high is and things like that. I mean, yeah. you're still in the honeymoon phase for sure though. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. enjoy no, that. Like the first time. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy that while it lasts, yeah. you know? So I've only been smoking for like three months now. So how does, how does, what was the first time? What was it like the first time like playing guitar and like singing and like playing music and being high? Um, so that was at a band. We just did a practice. I, I smoked for the first time at a something or not for the very first time, but you know, first yeah, time yeah, that yeah. I smoked and played music was at with a something missing practice. And like, it, it was interesting. It was like, <laughs> I felt a little more in touch with my guitar. Didn't you smoke yeah. before a show on tour? Um, Yes, but it was like an hour before, two hours before. So okay, was, so I was pretty count. much down before we started playing. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, I've smoked at a couple of practices and it, it helps me like be more in tune with my guitar but in a weird way. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've experienced something like that. Yeah. It, yeah. You just kind of connect with your instrument a little more. Like, For me, it makes the, uh, the ideas, it kind of opens me up a little bit more. Yeah. You know, like I feel less... It's so cheesy, but it's like, I'm not the first person to say this. It feels like the division between you and your instrument or like the division between you and your, uh, the ideas, it's lessened. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's more of like a fluid state, but that's only when you're in the zone. Like there's definitely times too, where I'm like too anxious. Yeah. It gets, you get high and then you're like, Ugh, and then it's like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to think. I want to put the guitar down and just like. Right. And just vibe. draw a bath, yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> jump in a hot tub somewhere and just like chill. Yeah, I don't smoke a lot anymore because it, it started to turn on me, dude. 
Yeah. It started to become my enemy rather than my friend, you know? I've heard that from a few people. My partner can't smoke sativas. Uh, every time that they smoke sativas now, they, like, have panic attacks. And it's it's a whole thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, weed has different effects on different people. It's, it's not for everyone. And frankly, I don't know how much it's for me. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like you said, I'm kind of still in the honeymoon. So, like, for now cool this is fun let's do it but yeah you know I, in six months i might answer differently yeah yeah the i think the key probably is just a moderation you yeah know what i mean like to an extent yeah yeah your brain's still developing when we were <laughs> <You know>? uh <laughs> when we were doing the when we were setting up the 420 show ian made a joke that really made me laugh i was like he was like hey can we put something missing on the bill and i'm like i don't think so because like kyle smokes but i don't and like at the time, Jake was in the band, and Jake didn't smoke. So it's like, we'd be going in as a three-piece with two members who don't smoke, and mm-hmm. like doesn't really feel like our kind of show, you know? And he was like, but think about it. You guys could smoke weed for the first time on stage. And I'm like, that sounds like a horrible idea. Yeah. I, I think about that all the time. Like, the idea of getting high on stage at the Logger House, like... Oh, God. That, that could go very poorly, very quickly, and I kind of... It just makes me laugh. I, See, don't know. I had a misconception when I when I first joined the bands. Um, I, I played in a few different bands, a few different projects, and um, I, I played reggae for a number of years. And it just kind of came with the territory. Everyone smoked, and it was yeah. just kind of a more of a party time atmosphere. And so when I started playing punk music, which I always wanted to do it seems like on the surface it seems like more of a taboo thing like oh you don't smoke before a show you know that's not really a thing we do around here but (laughs) i i was wrong (laughs) oh yeah yeah i think you were definitely wrong about that but no but i do get where you're coming from though i get like that perception though i get sometimes where say like when i was um before i was like in the music world i had this perception of it that like it was a lot more drugs going around than reality there are like i remember like being in college and there were parties and everyone's doing blow and like all this type of shit i'm like oh my god if this is just hanging out with people my age like what is it going to be like playing shows and like isn't that where this stuff happens and then you start playing these gigs and it's just like I this has just not been my experience at all yeah no i i see a lot of people smoking weed and a lot of people talking about weed I don't see a lot more than that. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple instances I can think of, but it's not the regular. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because I, I went to college. I went to EMU and, and like I went to some of the co-op parties and, mm-hmm. and frat parties out there after, you know, after I turned 21 and like, no, that they would they would go really hard with drug use there. Yeah. And yeah. Nope. You don't get that at punk shows. Yeah. Ironically, yeah. they're the worst when you do like punk shows at co-op houses. That's that's when I've noticed the most of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, cuz like we played Luther House and I I loved it. It was great. Some of the people there were awesome. It's definitely some uh some some extra activities happening yeah. on the side oh, out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, like I just I'm glad too because I'm glad that it's not super prevalent. Yeah. You know, cuz that's it's I like I wonder like how much of that is like it just is that way, but also like fentanyl scary. You know, I feel yeah. like a lot of people yeah, are just kind of shying away from blow because, like, you know, you you don't 
you don't know what's in it. Yeah, I want no part of that. I don't want to roll a dice, dude. Yeah. Especially for something that just makes you feel like shit anyways. Yeah. Like, It's not know? worth the hype. Yeah. It, it's just, I don't know. I don't even really like to drink that much. I don't like to... I like to have a beer or two. Whatever. Sometimes I'll get a little carried away, but I never get to the point where it's like, I am miserable the next yeah. day. That's That part of my life is over anyways. I'm not saying I've never done that. Yeah. I had my fair share of those moments. I, you know, I but, did... I did the thing that a lot of people do when they turn 21 and they have easy access to alcohol. Yeah. Where, like I drank a ton uh-huh. and then had to quickly put myself in check. Yeah. You know? And so I, I had a while where it was like, Oh, I'm drinking four days a week, five days a week. Like, yeah. I'm drinking a lot. And like, of course I was going to college at the time. So I'm like, Oh, do homework, get drunk. I'm going to get drunk and then try to do my homework. And that never works out. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I used um, to do that shit. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I had a really tough time with that. Um, and I just screw it. You know, I, I, I quit. Uh, I didn't quit entirely, but like I, I seriously cut back and now it's like, yeah, I'll have a, a drink or two and then stop there. Yeah. So I don't know. I've definitely got a healthier relationship with it now than I did. It's funny because we're at the point where I think we both don't drink as much as we each have in the past and if you look in our fridge there's just <laughs> an overabundance of miscellaneous beer yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah we're slowly picking away at it yeah <laughs> um oh you know what real quick i just realized let's close these windows because this room might fix up a bunch of shit are we live yeah we have been for about uh 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so is this going to be how the the podcast starts off yeah yeah. Shit. Okay. It, it just is how it is. It is what it is. Well, it's gonna start with an awkward moment because I I wasn't sure it was live and I was like, oh, we should save this for the podcast. <laughs> I love that. We should, we should hit play. No, oh, my my whole goal with this thing is to just very much capture the essence of what it's like to hang out with the people. Yeah. I interview, you know, to the extent that you can capture that essence all, all authentically when there are microphones in the room. Right. So we're all artists and we're all. I feel. Not in a cynical way, but I do feel to a certain extent like we're all hyper with the type of people that are hyper aware of like when things are being recorded. And right, right. And we have like a certain idea of ourselves and how we want to be perceived. And, you know, that's just anybody. But I think especially so when it comes with people who like prefer to be on stage. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, again, it's not like a cynical thing. And I don't think it's a negative thing, but it's just one of those, you know, it's. It definitely has an effect whether it's conscious or not. Yeah, and I think that even if people deny it, everyone has a different character when they're on stage. Mm-hmm. I, and I I mean, I'm not going to act like I'm any different. I, I talk very differently when I'm on stage versus like situations like this where we're just like... You ever pick up an accent? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Characters? I, I have Some- noticed that um, I've been told after shows that a lot of times when I'm talking to people, my Midwestern accent comes out more. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because, like, I, I actually, yeah, I have been told that, like, <laughs> I have more of the, like, I don't know, the R's come out a little, yeah, you know, a little thicker. Yeah. No, I know. It, yeah. You I know what a Midwestern accent sounds Hell like. Hell yeah. Um, have you ever seen Taken Back Sunday Live? Yeah. He, he's the like worst case about like doing an entire character and an yeah. accent and all this shit. Mookie, you want to be on the show? <laughs> Fucking love that cat. But no, he's just like, he does like this southern gentleman right. shtick. And I'm like, 
Huh? I love, dude, I love them live. Don't me get too. me wrong. Not hating at all. But it's just like, dude, what are you doing? They, they get, Taking Back Sunday is a weird one for me because they were so influential for me. They were yeah. one of my favorite bands throughout high school and, uh, Frankly, even before high school, they were, you know, they were just one of the bands I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. And I always like really wanted that sound. And still to this day, I kind of want that sound. That's kind of the direction I want to lean in. Yeah. But uh, people like to hate on them. I saw. Uh, yeah, like, I don't get that. When they were announced as the headliner for Sad Summerfest, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, this is sick. And everyone else is like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Taking back Sunday. Boo. Like, give us the bands we had last year and it's like yeah that's why who wants that right like don't get me wrong i I love neck deep and like i i would love to see neck deep again but like having them two years in a row is not a good move and i saw people suggesting that and i'm like why it's like what's the point right uh i think taking back sunday is great uh and i think they're they're a a draw yeah they're awesome yep yep and especially with sad summer moving to more of the amphitheater setups this year oh Um, is it yeah okay i haven't seen any announcements. i'm not on social media very much dude like that's fair i have it for this and to like make obligatory posts about the band and like oh we were just in grand rapids here's pictures of it yeah i'm so disillusioned with the whole social media thing but that's an aside yeah i don't (laughs) i don't post a lot on social media but i i scroll a lot on social media yeah um i'm guilty of that i i am a little more active on twitter than anything else but like i'm scared of twitter dude (laughs) yeah i don't have a twitter um but what i've seen and heard of twitter it's a scary place yeah it's uh <laughs> it's a different atmosphere for sure i'm uh, curious like um i don't know i because i don't even see our our band's twitter posts so i don't know what our twitter pre- our presence is like i feel like it's, it's probably a good place to be posting yeah it's it's a, a good amount of shit posting a good amount of promoting our shows and like truthfully i just I always forget to use it. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> so I'll, I'll same have here. like two week stretch where I don't do a single post. And then like, I'll come back and do like five posts in two days and then like forget about it for a while. And I don't know. That's, that's how I keep myself sane. Yeah. Uh, too much social media is a terrible thing. I, at one point we were talking about bringing in a social media manager and like, I, it, it makes the band stuff so much easier when you don't have to worry about social media. Yeah. Like I can handle the booking. I can handle the, you know, the merch and, and all that stuff. Just, I don't want to worry about what's being posted to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. You know, no, it's extremely annoying to have to think about it. I don't, I mean, for me anyway, some people like to do it. Like Ian fucking is good at that shit. Yeah. Ian, Ian is so good at it. Ian knows what he's doing. That's why we, we, you know, Whenever we have something to like, kind of promote more heavily, or I just let Ian do it, you know. I yeah. Just, I say, here's money, please <laughs> do this, you know. Or at least at the very least, he'll give me. I'll pay him to like create a schedule for me of when right. I should post things. Yeah. Like when we when we come out with our new record, Ian, I'm sure will be heavily involved in the uh, <laughs> the strategizing of it. Because I can, you know, fucking make jams with the best of them, but I, I don't know how to tell people about it. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? It's, it's, it's hard. It's really difficult. Um, but, uh, so, I figure we could cut this episode into, like, two different parts here. And to the extent that I keep it that organized, we'll see. Because yeah. I'm going to be pretty loose about it. But I figure we talk about the band. And then we'll and we'll do that first so that, you know, 
people who drop off and don't listen to the whole episode which those people exist let's be real yeah you know they they at least hear about like you first you know what i mean like you guys yeah and then people that want to stick around to beyond that we'll talk about pug fest and kind of what goes into like more yeah. like boring shop talk type shit like what yeah. goes into booking a fest you know what i mean yeah for sure yeah no i'm, I'm cool with that that works cool so um I'm going to stand up, get a different, less noisy chair, but you'll still be able to hear me. And I don't want to edit. So I'll first ask a question and then I'll make my way around. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so this no, is giving people a visual of what's about to happen. But first of all, you know, something missing for the people who have not read the title of this episode. Know who you are. Um, where are you guys from? And then kind of like, what's the origin story? Yeah. So um, my name's Micah. And uh, I'm the singer-guitarist for Something Missing. Um, Something Missing started when I was in high school, and it's, it's been a, a project that I've done with various friends throughout the years. Um, coming out of the pandemic, uh, Kyle Berry joined the band. Um, hey, that's me. And we, we've since become best friends, and I... Kyle and I are roommates now. We live out in Jackson. And um, as of now, Kyle and I are the only official members of the band. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have had a couple of different lead guitarists, and they've they've kind of like... It's just hard finding someone who's willing to commit the amount of time that we put into this. Yeah. You know, no, no hate or anything. No, for sure. It's, it's, not, for, it's not for everyone. Like, we, we tour, and we do shows... I mean, for one bit, we were doing a show literally every week for like three months straight. We had a show every single weekend. And so like, that's a lot for people to keep up with. And that was like, that was too much for some of these people. And that's, that's totally cool. So that's why we've always had like different lineups and stuff. It's, it's kind of just whoever has been available for the shows for a while was Mm -hmm. just joining us. And then, uh, we had like three different people ready to go with lead guitar whenever needed. That's something that I've been trying to stress to myself even more lately is like creating a uh, kind of like a bench yeah. of people who know how to do like I'm in the process of trying to find more and more people who know yeah. how to do who, who I can teach to play our shit so that right because you can't reasonably expect especially me like in my like early 30s like it's harder and harder to find people who give a shit about right. my friends make fun of me because i play shows you know what i mean in, in a, like a good natured way but they're like oh you're still playing gigs you know right. yeah like, no, like I, hey yeah dude it's fun but it's hard to find a bunch of people that consistently like the same five people who always consistently want to do it as much as i want to do it right right you know? so and then you run into if if you have to teach someone the songs then practices become training sessions for <laughs> yeah much. yeah we it's kind of funny because kyle and i have a record that we've been working on when we have the time and we've been chipping away at it for literally like what a year now more than a year and we reached a point where it's like yo we've got a record that's almost ready to go mm-hmm. we gotta like teach a bassist and we've got to teach a, a guitar like another guitarist which we eventually kind of, kind of, sort of decided to switch to being a three-piece. It started off as being out of necessity because we just ran into shows where we couldn't uh-huh. have another member. But, um, I I kind of started to like it, 
And so I think we're to the point where we don't really have any intentions to add another guitarist at this point. But, um, but yeah, we, I don't know. It's, it's been cool, but it's time for some change. And there was a lot of time in there where like we had new music and it was like getting everyone in the same place at the same time to work on the new music Mm -hmm. was really difficult, especially when it's like we'd get together and someone was like, Hey, I actually don't remember how to play this lead from this song. Can you show me how to do it? Yeah. I, I forgot how to do this part. Like, can you show me again? And that's cool. Like I get it. It's just part of working with a lot of people and not having a consistent lineup, but when like I, I when I joined the band, it was it was kind of a a crazy situation because the rest of the band was finishing up in the studio, um, finishing up the album that's out now. Um, it was the two EPs that was made a full album. So I'm not on drums for that record, which is cool. Um, there, there's <laughs> kind of pissed about it, but well, it's cool. It's whatever. No. <laughs> there, there's more music coming out, so I'm not. I'm not hurt about it. But um, well, it's funny because Mike and I actually met at the gym through a mutual friend. Um, the one we were talking about earlier, who had the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny enough, but um, it turns out that uh, Mike was trying to put this show together last minute, which became <laughs> DIY Burning Man. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it was what just a couple weeks away. Is this the first one? This was the first one in the backyard. Yeah. Okay. So that was the one uh, with you rest, you joy life, worst party ever, and then there was a secret headliner who we don't really talk about much anymore. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, they. Uh, it was it was just this really big show offer. The guys in Worst Party Ever messaged me and they were like, "Hey, we were sent your way to throw together a show in Mid Michigan. We want to do something coming out of the pandemic, but like we want it to be outdoors. And what what can we do?" And so yeah. they they were in the process of recording Dartland at the time, and so um, they were already in Michigan. I don't know what brought them out to Mid Michigan specifically, but I I was like, "Yeah, the." guitarist in my band has a big backyard and we can talk to his parents about throwing you know throwing a show back there that's sweet and it was crazy because we had like i think it was 10 days of notice on the show from when worst party ever hit me up and when they like had to have the show and so and it was on a thursday night so it was like a recipe for disaster this is how this is how shows flop oh dude with, with yeah. 10 days notice on a weeknight and um I still, I was just like, I got it. Thank do it. God, is in Mid Michigan, where like you have plenty of room and not too many like neighbors nearby. Yeah, come. I'm just imagining the space because I don't. But I, I mean, I've been through Jackson a million fucking times. Yeah, but I yeah. don't know exactly what it, the place is like. It was technically in Grass Lake, which is like oh, okay. a farm town. I know Grass Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a really small. It's a really small farm town. That was technically where I grew up. I went to Grass Lake High School, mm-hmm. and okay. so like that was where Jake, Gavin, and I lived, and those were like. Those us three were something missing for a long time. And you had no drummer. And we had no drummer, or we had a revolving door of drummers. Uh and so yeah, I don't know. Um it was kind of funny because we we did that. We like it was kind of the three of us with whoever we, we had at the time on drums. And then we went in to record the record, and the drummer we had joined the Navy. So he he left wow. the band to to go join the Navy and start focusing on that after he'd tracked all the drums on it and then Kyle joined the band. And now we're like, after the album, everyone, but 
Kyle left the band and, you know, and me, of course, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of funny that that's, that's how things panned out. But, uh, anyways, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was just this giant backyard for the show. We lined it all up and I went to the gym literally the day we had the show offer. Like that morning I had been talking to worst party ever about lining it up. And then I went to work, went to the gym after work and ran into Kyle at the gym. And I'm like, Hey, so you told me that you play drums. <laughs> I think you could fill in for this big show we're doing. And he was just like, yeah, I don't see why not. And I'm like, all right, cool. Here's seven songs to learn in 10 days. And also like three of them are unreleased. So like, have fun with this. And just kind of left him at it. And it was, uh, I don't know, Kyle nailed it. And right after that show, we kind of knew. It was was funny to me because the whole time... um, From the moment that Mike is like, yeah, I'm in a punk band and we need a drummer i was like i'm gonna find a way to do this <laughs> yeah, not, yeah 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 i was a fill-in but like i listened to uh space to breathe time to grow that was the only thing out on on spotify or anything at that point i listened to all of that i'm like yo i need to be part of this um and so it, uh, the rest of the band was like okay cool we got a drummer for the show and the whole time i'm like i'm my mission is to join the band. And so after, <laughs> after uh, Burning Man, after DIY Burning Man, I'm like, I just, you know, I was convinced I want to do this full time. And, uh, and it stuck. Yeah. yeah, I've definitely had moments like that where I've had a mission to join a band once I saw them. Yeah. Like there's this band, uh, this is how I ended up meeting our current bass player, Adrian, but he used to be in this band called Pursuer. And they played the first, uh, like back when it was called Scheme 13, you know, Kyle's. Yeah. They played yep. that first block party, and that was like the third episode I ever did of the podcast was they invited me to come cover it. And so I was at like uh, Otis Supply, oh, and man. Pursuer played, and they were a three-piece. And I was like, okay, I know exactly these guys, who their influences are. I know what they're about. I don't need to even ask them i know exactly and it was just it was a band that needed another guitar player and i understood all their influences but i didn't know them personally at all so i had to like check my vibe a little bit and like not approach them immediately being like hey you need to add me to your band right (laughs) group of three strangers so i like invited them on the podcast and it didn't it didn't work out and like it kind of just like fizzled out we never actually did it but then I played a gig with them, like my band back when we were like a two piece, played another gig with them at New Way Bar and I had the singer come talk to me because I was podcasting there too. And we started actually had a conversation and then I weaseled my way in, you know, <laughs> I was like, by the way, dude, I really, I really uh, think, you know, I could be in that band of yours. <laughs> and then we played one show, the pandemic happened and the band broke up. Ah, it was a sad story. Pandemic killed a lot of my favorite bands and that's a shame yeah whether it was uh the pandemic itself or people being unable or unwilling to behave themselves yeah uh, one thing leads to another or one reason or another rather killed a lot of venues too oh yeah yeah a lot i know um my dad has a buddy that owns a bar um it's out in onondaga the onondaga tavern um every time uh he was told okay you're clear to open up again he would restock um, all his food and you put all his orders in and then they come back and say oh you can't open and so we have all this food 
all these drinks and everything and a lot of stuff would go bad and he just kept losing money but um lucky enough for him he he got things sorted out and he's open full-time again but uh yeah that's that's one of the maybe one of the luckier stories like i you know there were a lot that closed there were some that opened too you know but that that is always especially diy venues that's kind of the life cycle yeah like places close other ones open up like i don't know if you missed it or not if you were going to emu at the time but do you remember the late station diy venue so i heard of it but i never got to go okay well have you ever been to a basement you've been there yeah 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 it i mean it was cool they had like a whole like mural like i played a few gigs there it was fun dude that's where i met uh that's where i met patty ray yeah, it was at the late station. We listened to Seaholm on the way out here today. Pat's, oh, I'm sorry, the greatest. That. You're sorry. <laughs> They're like my arch, arch. Uh, I I like create. I like to create fake arch rivalries okay. between myself and other bands that are my friends. And I just Seaholm's <laughs> <laughs> one of my arch rivals for sure. Yeah, we. Uh, I've been a long time Seaholm fan, actually. Like. They're fun, I, dude. They're great. They're and fun. I, I remember I saw them at Stoopfest a while. It was a long time ago. I went out to Stoopfest and they were like one of the main bands I wanted to see. I had like three bands on the bill that I really wanted to see and Sea Home was one of them. Uh, I Back before, I want to say it was before Austin and Chris were even in the band. Like, yeah. It was it was back then. And, like Micah uh, and uh, Connor Holm. Yeah, yeah. Know. And um yeah, I don't know. Cool band, cool people. Uh, I I love working with them as often as we have. I feel like I'm kind of late to the party with a lot of bands. Like growing up, I listened to a little bit of everything. Like I grew up on classic rock and um, country music, and uh, not as big of a country fan, but you know that was that was a thing. And then like the popular punk bands and like blink 182 and then like right i was really big into a day to remember oh yeah dude and homesick came out yeah <laughs> that was my freshman year of college and that that's aging myself but dude i was bumping that shit in my little forward contour every day <laughs> hell yeah i actually just got a a day to remember tattoo it's like a combination of the what separates me from you cover with the homesick album cover oh, that's fucking sick dude. but um yeah, once uh, I joined Something Missing, it kind of became my mission to do homework and, and figure out what I was missing in the scene. And, and since then, like, it, it's been a pleasure to meet a lot of these these bands and, and meet the people for who they are. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, that's why that's why you guys are here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? That's literally the whole, it's like the mission statement. Of, yeah. of what this podcast is it's just like okay i'm late to the party i need to like ingratiate myself i need to meet all these people yeah but i you know i'm not the type like everybody has something to offer in their own way like you offer a lot of like you're good at like booking and you're good at like putting these things together i'm more good at like facilitating conversations things like that yeah you know what i mean like everybody has their skill set and i think that if, if everybody just focused on like what is the one little thing that i can contribute to this community you know and if everybody thought that way yeah, yeah. a lot of people do i'm not I'm not like hating on it uh, but i'm just saying if everybody really thought that way i think 
things could be even bigger than what they are now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we are spoiled with the number of really good bands we have here. Oh, yeah. But you go to Chicago and it's just like, and that just for instance, because we were just there, like that's the example, like just turnout is just insane. Obviously, because it's like a big city, but still, man, if we had something, if we could get even better show turnouts here, because we really are spoiled with the quality of the music. Like if we could grow the amount of, start bringing in more outside people yeah, to yeah. come to these gigs and like grow the community a little bit. I mean, I'm fucking rambling, but you know, I like to think about what if, how, how do we do this? Like, For sure. How do we grow it? I noticed we just got back from our first tour with Anti Ghost, and yeah. we played a lot of cities that we'd never played before. Mm-hmm. Um, we played like Green Bay or Appleton technically, but that's basically yeah, yeah, Green yeah. Bay. Played Madison. Uh, Chicago, but we've played Chicago before. Um, we did Bowling Green for the first time in like three years, four years. You guys go to Howard's? Yeah, 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 we played Howard's. And then... Um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh was a highlight. Um, was it Roboto? No, so we played... It was a place called the 880. Um, it's run by a guy named Mitch, and I can't remember his last name, but that dude is so good at lining up shows in pittsburgh oh okay uh, we're, we're planning another tour right now and i just texted him and i'm like hey is there any chance you can help us with the show in pittsburgh and he's like consider it done like do you have any locals in mind or can i book them and it's like he lined up the whole thing for us as soon as i gave him a date sweet um but he he lined up the show and he's like yeah so it's gonna be a weird one uh there's gonna be wrestling while you guys are playing and i'm like what <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah and i saw this on anti-ghost page yeah it ended up being uh like Kind of sort of two separate events for safety reasons, which is for the best, but they like had all the bands play first. So like we opened up for a wrestling match and it was, it was so funny. It was like, it was just a good time. It wasn't like, yeah, that was was one of my favorite shows I've ever done. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't like. I, I don't know. I don't like using the term real wrestling, but it was like the exaggerated yeah. like, cartoonish wrestling yeah. that is just, it's just fun to watch and it's fun to experience and entertainment wrestling entertainment. Right. Yeah. And so it was, it was really cool having all that lined up. So Pittsburgh was, was a blast. Fucking sick. Uh, the show got over a lot sooner than, than most of our shows, but like it was, it was sick. The wrestling was fun. And, um, it was it was a great experience. I would do that show again in a heartbeat. Pittsburgh so is great fun. too. Just like the city. Yeah, like yeah. When you first get there and you see, like when you go through the tunnel and then it's you beautiful. see, it's like what the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. Pittsburgh is one of my favorite cities I've ever visited. I I, I really do love it. Um, really excited. I we're trying to go out to Philly, and that's always been on my bucket list. Philly yeah. has some of my favorite bands, and like. A lot of the bands that got me into this um, are like they came from Philly. Yeah, you know. Shout out the Wonder Years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the Wonder Years is <laughs> probably Years my biggest dope. influence if that doesn't show. Um, and then like Modern Baseball, which you know Slaughter Beach Dog as well. That that's one of my favorite projects recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Tiger's Jaw. Tiger's yeah. Jaw was huge for me. Yeah. Um, still are really i think the later tiger's jaw albums are not talked about enough everyone talks about self-titled and like i I love all their albums yeah i mean like once a band makes so many records and they've been around for so long it's hard to like continuously make all of your releases 
mainstream. Yeah. To an, right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. there will become there will be the jewels that people latch on to, like Radiohead, for instance. They're like my favorite band. And people talk about OK Computer and In Rainbows and Kid A. But they have like ten albums. Right. You know, but it's those three and those are the best ones and fight me, you know what I mean? But those are the best ones. But uh they have so much fucking brilliant music out. But yeah. it's like you can't really expect everybody to be, they're not always going to be on the public consciousness right you know yeah I mean? yeah but i i don't know like i mean shit just between the wonder years tiger's jaw and modern baseball like those three bands alone defined so much of my music taste and they all came out of philly at mm. basically the same time like within within that that stretch they, yeah. they were all like i don't know that's always had me like oh Philly's where a lot of good yeah. music's at. It's, I need yeah. to get out to Philly. I think that, like, what that's kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit before. Like, I think that we have here the music to have something like that. Right, absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, like, looking at, like, Hot Mulligan, obviously Hot Mulligan at this point's been around a little bit. They're, they're I think, undeniably the biggest punk band out of Michigan ever. I, yeah, they're, yeah, it's hard to think of another one from michigan that's yeah that bigger. yeah so like they're they kind of they were like the first really big one but i mean i look at like saturdays at your place is taking off right now and yeah. for good reason those guys deserve all the praise they're getting and a hell of a lot more uh but like saturdays at your place is really taking off right now and then like see home got quite a bit of traction and um i don't know working with pug has made it so that i have so much access to live music Mm -hmm. I'm going to shows so much more than I used to. And I'm always finding new bands that I'm like, wow, these guys are insane. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I've been really impressed with a lot of the, the bands that I'm, I'm working with nowadays and Michigan. I think Michigan has like the best local scene. I think going to what you were talking about, about it's just about turnout. I think the part of the reason why Michigan has a lower turnout for some of our shows is because we have so many shows happening all the time. Yeah, that's, that's something true. that like, that is really a good point. Talking about Chicago, there aren't that many good venues that are like routinely doing shows. And the ones that, that are, they're not doing shows five days a week, six days a week. And like, I don't know. I've been doing a lot of max bar and Lansing now, yeah. now that they're reopened and I'm booking shows there and I'm, I'm talking with, with everyone there. How is it? Because we're playing there on Friday and I haven't been there since they reopened. It's, it's a lot nicer. Is it? It yeah. went from being like a place that was comically run down to a yeah, place that's, that's like, what I remember. This is this. It's actually a nice place now. And they, they're working on getting a new audio system. The one they have right now is still better than the one they had. And they're still okay. like talking about stepping it up. But anyways, Max has shows that's there exciting. like all the time. I'm, you know, they're doing shows there three, four nights a week and they, they don't turn people away. Right. If they don't have a show and somebody asks for a show, they give them a show. Yeah. And, uh, that's something that you don't really get that. At least from my experience, you don't get that from a lot of other States. Like trying to book a show in Indiana on a Sunday is impossible. Yeah. Nobody it's almost books shows not, on Sundays. It's almost like not even worth it. It's, it's, I, I think that it, for some of these places, like we've been trying to think less about doing tours and more about weekends yeah. and, and, you know, stacking up a bunch of different weekends. Like we're going to do at least 
if we're going to do a run, then we're going to go to like New York, Philly, Boston. You know what I mean? Like if we're going to set aside five days in a row, we're going to go to the places where if we have to play on a Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever have you, then we're going to go to places with that don't sleep. You know what I mean? Like it's not, is it, it, I'm not saying it's not worth it at all to like go play, you know, Indianapolis on a Sunday if you can find it, but would it be better to play a Friday or Saturday and just wait till you can get that gig? Like I think so. Yeah, you know yeah, what no, I mean. I, I would agree. Like, but then when you do have those shows, since the shows are very hit or miss in those cities, yeah, it's like either they do really well because they don't have shows very often, or you just can't get a show, right? Or like you line up a show and it, it totally flops because nobody hears about it because it's not a regular thing. It's kind of weird because you want them to happen often enough that people know where the shows are at right but you don't want it to happen so often that it's oversaturated yeah yeah um yeah i don't know That's... no it, it, it can be a hit or miss even in places like chicago like the yeah. first time we were there we played book club and there was like fucking eight people there yeah. and it was just like okay first time in, in chicago not gonna get overly upset about it yeah and then we just played this past weekend and i was honestly nervous I was like fuck man is this gonna be like part two yeah. of nothing and it was amazing like it was the shit and so I was like, okay, it, it, you know, luck of the draw. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, we, but, um, we also, our first time playing Chicago was at book club as well. Actually, it, we played there with final boss fight, perfect candidates and um, Nico blue. And that was, I, I was very surprised by that show. Truthfully, the first, it was the second day on our first weekender. And the first day kind of flopped. We played for, like 10 people in a basement and it's yeah. like that's the kind of show that like you leave with your gas money and your tail between your legs literally everybody talks about having played those shows though yeah, so it's like yeah. that's something to hang on to to not get overly discouraged right right it, it's just it's hard when it happens but it happens to everyone yeah and so yeah. like i don't know I'm, i don't i'm not mad at myself about it or anything it's not an indicator nothing. of failure or something right you know right like it just happens but like that had happened and so we were like Oh, this is what we're signing up for on this tour. And then we we played book club and our first time playing it, there was a, a decent crowd. It wasn't massive, but they were very involved. Yeah. Um, they, I will say that. Even the ten people we played to were like into it. Yeah, there know? was like moshing and, and stuff that we don't like at the time we weren't getting a lot of. And uh that was really cool. And so that that was nice. And then we came back on our next run. The one with Anti Ghost actually played at the Arcadia Gray House. It's the house that like half of Arcadia Gray lives at. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are the greatest. The, oh yeah, they've been on the, the show a few times. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah Arcadia Gray is great. Um, but uh, silly geese. <laughs> yeah, their April Fools thing really got me this year. But anyways, um, yeah, we played at their house and had probably just as many people packed into a, a living room not much bigger than this one. It's like it was a tiny space and we had it packed yeah it was so cool that was that was a blast and so it's like having having shows like that it's like that that's kind of what keeps me going and yeah dude it you definitely we've played some flop shows in michigan we've played some flop shows outside of michigan uh but the big shows make it worth it dude yeah i've like we've had experiences and it's exactly what you're talking about and i think like I love gigs. Gigs like that will make me in that moment not care about anything else in terms of like 
oh, are we one of the clout bands? Or are we like, you know, like all these things that are not about music, that things like, are, oh, are we like a name recognition band? Or like, oh, do we have a Twitter, Twitter following? It's just like all that shit that you can get caught up thinking about that has nothing to do with your music. It, it can ruin it for you. Like that ruins it for me if yeah. I let it. But like you play these gigs where it's just like you in a full room and everybody's having a good time. It's like, this is why I do it. Right. Yeah. None of it matters. This, this is happening. <laughs> on this tour with Anti-Ghost, it was so funny because we were supposed to play Marquette and um, there were some, some COVID incidents. Like up north Marquette? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So we were supposed to start in Marquette and that didn't work because... Um, there okay the bands that we we had as local support they shared a member maybe two uh, mm-hmm. it was the casper fight scene and small comforts uh good friends of ours and they like one of their shared members tested positive for covid so it's huh. like both local support dropped like three days before the show sucks and um the whole show just kind of fell through because they're like you need local support we didn't have time to get it yeah um, sorry i'm just making sure that uh checking the time here no you yeah but yeah, we um needed we needed local support. It fell through, and so then instead we started in Green Bay or Appleton. Yeah, we played in Appleton, and that show was so rough. There was like nobody there at all, aside from the the. <laughs> the thing is, it sucked because the venue was like connected to a dance club, dude. So you walked in, and it was a dance club, and then you had to like walk behind a curtain in the back. In order to get to where the the live music Don't was, even get me so on these places. nobody even like the people who did come saw the club and like stayed in the club, and yeah. so it was like we didn't really. Yeah, we, we played for a bunch of band members and like five people, and so that was really like, well, shit. There's that. Yeah, um, that show was that show was rough for a handful of reasons, and I think like. After we did our first weekender, we were like, okay, we can learn from this, we can learn from that. So when we go on a full-length tour, you know, we, we won't run into these things again. And so, in a, in a lot of ways, it was better, just as far as, like, travel and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, But to start the tour out with that show, it was kind of like, oh, jeez. Yeah. And then ominous. <laughs> keep going like this. Plus, like, when... When you're singing like heartfelt songs, and then it comes down to like it's just guitar and vocals, <laughs> and then from beyond the curtain you hear like drop it like it's hot, <laughs> it, and some other things. That, um, oh, that's I won't hilarious! Say on the podcast, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. It was it was rough. So, yeah, but it turns around really quick. Yeah, where I wanted to go with that was that the next day was in Madison, Wisconsin, which I think is kind of a sleeper scene right now. I oh, think yeah. that. People don't value Madison, Wisconsin. As, oh, they as should, much as they because should. University of Wisconsin's rowdy as shit. It, it was so sick. We played a packed, it was a Rigby, the Rigby. But, um, we played like the basement of the Rigby, which is a bar. Okay. And it was so packed. Um, and it wasn't just packed with just random people. People who like knew our music, even though we'd never played there before. Um, we had people like moshing. We had our first crowd surfer at that show. Oh, that's sick. And like, there were people singing along and I knew a couple people there. Um, but most of them were complete strangers and they were singing along. They were like getting in my face while I was singing. And it was, it was so sick. That's it was wild. a lot of fun. Yeah. That, um, that show really made it all worth it because after that it was like, okay, not every show 
I mean, because I mean, you know, after playing music for a number of years, like, not every show is going to be great. Right. And yeah. you do it because you love doing it, and you just take take those shows for what they are, and you keep moving on, and we're like, geez, we, we got we to gotta hit a point somewhere <laughs> where things go a little better, and then we played that show, and then from there on out, everything started looking up. And I, I think part of it is... Um, the scene in the area, like Madison has, um, they, we have some great local support. We have some really excited people that wanted to come out for those bands, plus our music. And I think that made a really big difference. That's something I try to keep in mind too. Like when we were playing that Chicago gig and there's like, it was really sweet. Like I was very, you know, uh, made a point of thanking the other bands too. Like, you know, I didn't have any delusions about. Yeah my poll being the what brought everybody you know what i mean yeah. like i was like really appreciative that we got to play with these other bands who like have a following right where they're from you know when yeah. you've got when you, bands are our size it, it's really hard to like bring pull in cities that you're not regularly at dude yeah it's so hard you have to just assume that local support is what's bringing people to the show yes because 100%. there's there's no way that we're the ones bringing, you know, 50 people to a basement in Madison. And, dude, like, even even if you play, like, a super packed show, you have to keep going back because even with the rowdiest shows, sometimes it's you're lucky if you get, like, five people that walk away from that and they're going to go check you out online. They're going to, yeah. like, follow you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the aftermath of those can sometimes be next to nothing other than the fact that you had a great experience. Right. You know what I mean? So right. you just have to keep going and going and going like, yeah, we're doing less trying to play less cities, but more often right now, like okay. trying to play like Chicago, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, Lansing, like a ton. Yeah. Rather than like going to like New York once in a year, which we're going to do just cause it's going to be fun, but like not trying to make, a point of every single weekender be always different places. Like it right. might be smarter to create like a smaller circle around you, right. like ge uh, geographically than it would be to like, Oh, let's just go to Nashville and then not go back for two years. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It, yeah. it's, I think it's easier to get bigger and recognize in theory for me anyways, by creating more of a regional brand for yourself. Right. And then kind of growing from that. But we'll I know see. <laughs> that's uh, something that we've been talking about a lot lately. We're to the point where we, we've been changing lineups and stuff and all this. And the main reason is just that we got to find people who are active enough and willing to contribute as much as, as we are looking to contribute, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I say that and that could come off as rude. There's nothing wrong with not being able to do as much as we do when we're like, I mean, we or just to not a, even want to. Right. You know, I get it. We just we just went on a 10-day tour. Like, that means taking 10 days off work. That yeah. That means being able to say goodbye to your loved ones and your family for 10 days and hit the road and probably lose money. We didn't this time, thankfully. But, like, we, you know, we don't take that for granted. That's the reality is you're probably going to lose money on tour. If you so, break even, you're fucking killing it. Right. You know? And so we... I feel very fortunate because we, we did all right on this tour with Anti-Ghost. We ended up profiting a little bit and it wasn't enough to pay my rent or anything, but it was like right. that it, that's not the normal. You have to expect right. to, to lose money and that's 
just the reality of it. So looking for members who can do all of those things has been difficult because a lot of people aren't looking to take those risks and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But um, now I believe we're at a point where we've got three people who really want to do this. Um, we just had a new bassist join the band and I don't know if, I, I think it's up in the air whether he's permanent or not at this point, but I have a feeling he's going to be, to be honest. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's from Lansing and it just, it just works out. Uh, everything just kind of clicked as soon as he, he came over to try out. But, um, yeah, it, when he joined the band, it was, or, you know, with him talking with him about joining the band, we've kind of been thinking about the future and how much we want to do shows and how much, how, what our tour strategy is and all that. Yeah. Something missing had an interesting issue where when I started working for the pleasant underground, uh, I started booking these cool shows and I'm like, I want to be on it. I want to be on this show. I want to do this one. And because of that, we played Detroit like eight times in three months and yes. totally oversaturated Detroit. Like everybody who wanted to see us had already seen us. Right. Right. And so we've established ourselves there and now we kind of need to not do exactly that because we did way too much, but like that idea in other cities of I want to play Chicago every two months, three months because yeah. I want people to see us and know like, oh, I saw them. Yes, dude. They're they're fucking good. I want to, you know, I want to go it's, see them. You again. can you can go play Chicago. Like when we go to New York, I think in August, like we might play New York twice, like because there's enough people. Like you'll yeah. play to different people each time. You can play Manhattan, you can play Brooklyn. That's going to be an entirely different crowd. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like, and that's you're accomplishing something. You know what I mean. Yeah. You can play. Yeah. You can do the same thing in Chicago. Maybe like if I wouldn't necessarily do it in Chicago just because I feel like the scene's not quite as big. Yeah, there. I, I think that's something you definitely pull off in New York. But Chicago twice in two months or twice in three months for yeah like that's probably what you should do right yeah you know so when we've started planning tours it's funny because we have these destination cities um this time it was uh pittsburgh and louisville which ended up falling through but mm -hmm. like pittsburgh was was kind of our destination city and uh so was madison those were both like those are places that we wanted to play going into it um and now like on this next run our destination is philly we want to go to the east coast so we're like lining this up we want to play new york we want to play new jersey we want to yeah. play you know we want to play philly so let's plan a tour where we go out there but on the way out there we're gonna stop and hit a lot of the cities that we just hit again yeah because we want to establish ourselves with those people we're actually like i don't know how much i can say i don't want to say too much but we're hitting a lot of the same places again like yeah. literally the same venues because we want to appeal to those people again. Yeah. The people who were introduced to us then have now had time to listen to us and enjoy us. Yeah. And, um, no, it makes perfect sense. Like yeah. we're, it's, I think it's a good idea for any band really to like create these runs. Like we did, um, over the course of two separate weekends, but we did Columbus, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, Chicago. And I think that's easily doable in a four day run. Yeah. And that's, that's one option of like a run that you can do continuously yeah, at different yeah. points. And then you create, you figure out along the way, like you're doing, you're going out to the East, East uh, coast, you find the venues that work in that city and you find like 
what's hot there. There's no real reason other than like, oh, a really great opportunity presenting itself to like if it's not if it's not broke, don't fix it. Just right. keep doing it. Go back yeah. to the well. But I will I will say real quick in the interest of time, um, I want to get to the pug fest stuff real quick. Totally. Yeah. We don't have a lot of time. So I wanted to just honestly selfishly ask what's interesting to me about all of it because yeah. people can see the lineup. You know what I mean? People can see people can I think I, I think I give people enough credit to think that they can imagine a little bit of what goes into it as far as like, okay, there's dealing with bands or dealing with their managers, dealing with their costs, yeah, figuring yeah. out where the money's coming from, all that. What has been, I want to know just on a human level, like what has been like frustrating about it and like what has been rewarding about it and like what have you kind of learned about booking in general if something of this scale? Yeah. So... There's a lot of things people don't know um, when it comes to, like, booking shows like this. I I have friends who've been booking shows for a long time, but, like, the way they go about it is when a band hits them up, they line up the show. Mm-hmm. And it sounds weird when I say it this way, but I'm going somewhere with it. The power dynamic is in favor of the booker in that instance. Like, the bands are going to the booker for, for sure. a favor. Now I'm in an awkward position because I'm the booker and the power dynamic is absolutely with like the managers and the bands. Cause I'm like, Hey, I'm trying to line up this festival. I need some bigger bands, at least like for the, for the larger scale bands. Like this year we got Prince daddy and Oso Oso. Yeah. And like getting them on here. I'm like, basically I'm asking strangers to do me a favor. Like, Hey, I, I want this fest to be successful. Can you help me make this fest successful? It's not about me giving them a show. It's right, about them right. giving me a show. Yeah. And so that is not negotiations go totally differently. Normally it's like, yeah, a band will hit you up and they'll say, Hey, we need this show. Like what's our guarantee? Like here's, here's what we want for our guarantee. And then we can say, that's not really reasonable. Unfortunately for a venue of this size, like we could do this amount less. And, and it's like, Oh, okay, cool. If, if that's what it means for us to get the show, that's totally fine. But like in this case, we'll ask a band like, Hey, could you do it for this price? And they're like, nah, you got to go higher. It's like, okay, well, how about this much? Nope. Higher. Yeah. Uh, I know there was one tour package that we got and negotiating the whole package. It was like, I started off. My first offer was like a thousand dollars for the package. And they were like, no, we need at least double that. And going up to that price. It's like, that is so hard. And it's, it's jarring knowing that like, (laughs) Most yeah. of the shows we do, if there's any overhead at all, it's like kept under $500. Yeah. Outside of locals, most of the bands are getting more than $500 on this fest. There's so much money like going into this. I, I probably shouldn't have said that, but you know, it, there's. I think people would be right to assume it though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, most I don't of think you're saying anything bands, that's like mind blowing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And this gives bands a reason to tour which is cool. I do know there's a couple bands that we mentioned this fest and they had a higher guarantee and they're taking the money from the guarantee to book a whole tour. Yeah. And so we're giving them the money for their whole tour, which is cool. You know, I'm, I'm glad that I can help provide that. And I'm just hoping it all pans out. Yeah. It's, it's scary right now. We haven't broken even yet on ticket sales. We're, we're close. We're, we're going to, I, yeah, I feel yeah, like we're will. going to, but we definitely will. Um, 
it's really easy to get wrapped up in the numbers and just think I have this much invested in here and I could lose my ass. You yeah. Know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's still, there's still potential for this to, to not pay me back. And when you're dealing with contracts for thousands of dollars, in some cases, that is so hard to, to think about. Yeah. Um, no, I get it. I went to college. I, I, I put 60 G's on the line, you know, hoping that I'd pay myself back eventually. <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I get like the, I mean, that's completely different, but I understand like throwing down huge amounts of money on a bet basically. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, I didn't go to the most expensive school in the state of Michigan. I went to EMU. Yeah. I love EMU. You know, I, Ipsy feels like home still. Um, I, you know, very proud to have gone to EMU, but that's, it's not an expensive college. Um, we sunk more into Pugfest than I did my last semester of college. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm not kidding. I, I, <laughs> we spent more on this one event than I did a whole semester of college. And that's, yeah. I think more than any semester of college, to be frank, it, it was, we put a lot of money into this and that is really nerve wracking. It's really easy to get wrapped up in that. And that sucks. Cause that's not my goal. I don't care about the money with this. You know, like at the end of the day, if I break even, I'm happy. Yeah, you will. I, I don't, I don't care to make a, a, a ton of money on this. Right. Uh, that's not my reason to do this. I want to do this cause I want to have a fun show. Like to be frank, I, I want to do a show with Prince daddy. That yeah. It's been on my bucket list since we started. Yeah. Um, since we started like first seriously playing shows and I saw Prince Daddy the first time, I'm like, I want to be on a bill with them. And it's just, this is the first time it's happening. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very happy with that. And knowing that in the future we could take this even further. And, uh, I, I don't I think know the lot, the amount of money you're putting down on for the first time, you're really doing it in this big way. I mean, last year was pretty big too, but like, obviously you're stepping it up. Yeah. I think it's a sound investment in the future. I, th- I don't think you're going to have to fork over so much cash next time. I think you're kind of creating a foundation for the years to come. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, It'll be a little bit more even. Like I think you'll have a really great turnout. I should say weeks. I'll fucking play too, you know? <laughs> like, we're playing. Um, <laughs> but I think, it, I think the turnout will be really big. Yeah. And I think bands will see that, and they'll realize, like, okay... People are going to show up. So that gives that, you know, and it's not great to always think about everything in the power dynamic. Not that that's either what either one of us is doing here, but I do think that it'll even the scales a little bit. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They need like, to see that you're fucking legit. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? I, I, this is dangerous territory. I'm not sure how much I can say, but I'm good friends with Troy who runs excellency, uh, excellency fest. Yeah. And obviously like shout it's out Troy. Yeah. Shout out to Troy. He's, he's the greatest. He, <laughs> does so much for a scene that's not all that active. Like who's booking in Bay city aside from Troy. Right. It's basically excellency. Right. And, and, it's, yeah. it's all excellency. Like and forest so, green will play, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, anyways, we're, we're good friends and a lot of people view us as competition for each other, which is fair. We're both doing festivals in the summer and they're similar in scale. Um, pug fest is more spread across multiple days this year, but like, Last year's DIY Burning Man, which is what became Pugfest, it yeah. really is like that was pretty similar to Excellency, just without some major headliners. And I've talked to Troy about who he was booking because this year we didn't want to have as much overlap as we did last year. Mm-hmm. Last year we shared like ten bands, 
And so this year we didn't want to do that. Pulling that number off the top of my head, I might be wrong, but there was a lot. There yeah. was a lot of bands that we both had. The big ones being our headliners, MCP and Oso Oso, or not Oso Oso, Oolong. Yeah. Uh, both of them played Excellency right after playing our fest. Um, we wanted to avoid that. So we talked things out and it was really funny because at one point we were shooting for the same band and they told us a 50% higher price than what they told him. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, they know that we're just getting started and like yeah. they will do that fest for cheaper because they know that they're, they're guaranteed turnout. Like last year, excellency fest sold out. So yeah. they're betting on the fact that like, you're probably going to sell it out again. Um, and, uh, so they, they gave them a better price than they gave us just because that, that would mean a guarantee of a bigger crowd. And that's, yeah. So yeah, no, you're right. Like this yeah. is an investment. Cause if this year does well next year, we might get those better prices. It's just, it's all about growing and kind of proving your worth, yeah. showing that we're not here just for a fun show in a backyard anymore. We're here to put on like one of the biggest events in our scene. Yeah. I think that, you know, in on every scale that, that, sort of concept holds true i mean whether it's just like you're a band trying to get booked on a local gig and the booker needs to see like all right we'll give you this fucking tuesday slot we'll see what you're about you yeah. know what i mean it's kind of the same concept like these right. people they just want to make sure that who they're dealing with are for real yeah you know? yeah and, absolutely and I, I can't blame them for it we're yeah this but is that's how you start great relationships like it, it can right. be a little bit like feeling out period and that's great yeah last year I ended up at the crowfoot but it was supposed to be in a backyard yeah i remember when we, when we <laughs> first lined it up that was fully expected to be in that backyard in grass lake that we yeah. had the worst party ever show at and like that fell through and we ended up at the crowfoot which is wild that the crowfoot was our fallback but like the crowfoot saved that show yeah uh, i love the crowfoot staff so much they've been so good to us over the years but um yeah, this year we went in knowing we were going to end up at the Crowfoot. Yeah. Literally, as soon as the show ended last year, everyone loaded out. I went downstairs to collect the money and they were like, let's talk about next year. Please do this here next year. And yeah. so we did. Yeah. And we planned it all the way of like literally the night of of last year's uh, DIY Burning Man. We, we scheduled a fest. It was just an, an unnamed fest for Micah at the time. And yeah. so it was like that turned into Pug Fest. Um, it was it was really like it's a different thing now because it's gone from being something fun that we were doing in a backyard to like no this is this is a show with a significant overhead that we actually like we it's important to us that we pack the house and before it kind of wasn't like right not that I wanted the show to flop but it was like if we just have this show and 50 people are here and we're all having a good time and all the band members are still here that's enough of like that's enough for us all to be happy and now it's like yeah. no we need we need to sell tickets we yeah you know so no I, I i think it's really great what you're doing and this is my closing spiel here i really not that it's even a spiel but no i think it's really awesome that it's really cool to see what is possible yeah you know starting from you know basically a backyard like you know it that's what's great about like diy music in general like i can relate to like starting this podcast like literally in a basement at a friend's at a show at a friend's house one time the band was coming through from philly and i just decided to interview them yeah you know what i mean like you never know where things are going to go essentially yeah but if you are just doing things that are entirely based on the things that you love to do and the things you want to do and then it's all about maximizing that yeah. you're not doing anything 
outside of what you really want to do anyways. You're just taking it to the nth degree. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, but yeah, I, I do have to roll. I will say like, I feel like there's so much more to get to. If we didn't even really talk about like the music. Yeah, no, you know, we I, didn't. We just so talked I think about like business a lot. When you do, I mean, we talked about like the behind the scenes, yeah, how bands get right. formed and the fact, I do think like when you do have music to that's coming out or stuff that you really want to dive into, feel free. Let's do this again. Yeah, no, you know I, I mean? I'd totally be down. Should we, we, uh, yeah, go ahead and just plug whatever you can or want to. Yeah. 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 So we'll go, we'll go kind of rapid fire here with some of the cool stuff we've got coming up. Um, we have reformed with a new lineup. We've got some new shows coming with, with a new bill and like, it's, it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. So our our upcoming shows are going to be a little different and I'm really excited for it. Obviously we've got pug fest and excellency fest, both coming up this year. We're on the bills for both. And, um, I'm really excited. I hope to see a lot of people out there. Um, we're selling tickets for both, so hit us up if you need them. Yeah, you can go to uh, the Pleasant Underground. I know if you go to the Instagram page, you can follow the the link there and go right to the yeah uh, online tickets. We also have physical tickets. If you see us at a show, just feel free to ask. But um, uh, some other big things. We just got some vinyl in for Facing Away From My Failure, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, the combination of the the two EPs that we put out in the past year. Um, so Facing My Failures is on the A side and Facing Away is on the B. Uh, we got a bunch of vinyl in and those will be going up relatively soon in the next two months or so. Hold on until June. Yeah, hold on until June. We'll, we'll see what happens then. Um, Sweet. Aside from that, we are currently recording some music for a split record and uh, at the same time writing some music for a full length. So the future for Something Missing is looking pretty bright. We've got a lot of new music coming, um, a lot of new shows coming up, uh, some more touring, and uh, vinyl is a huge thing that's Vinyl's been on fun, my bucket dude. list for years. New, I know. new shows, new merch is going to be coming, uh, vinyl, obviously, and uh, the tour is a big one. I'm excited for that this summer, plus the two festivals, obviously. Yeah, the two fests are going to be great between the two. I'm so glad to play with Real Friends again at excellency fest yeah, we played with real sweet. friends a couple years ago and those guys are some of the kindest musicians we've ever played super with. genuine people like i i'm pretty sure i talked to the drummer for like an hour after this that was that was me show. at like uh michael sarah palin's drummer at yeah dude we talked we were just like smoking weed on that balcony and just talking about nothing even remotely music related just life yeah <laughs> it was great yeah the the real friends guys are they were extremely kind to us and i'm stoked to hang out with them again but yeah um follow us on social media to keep up with us um something missing am i on instagram yeah and then twitter is s missing something like that you you, you guys know how to find us i should have those tags. use the right. internet yeah use the internet you can do it that's been my spiel of shows lately like we're calling it a daydream use the internet Google use your tools too. gen z yeah figure yeah. it out <laughs> but uh thank you guys so much for for checking us out and thanks for giving us a a, spl- a place to talk and thanks and for chance. driving to my house dude yeah of course all right kids stay tuned for part two it's coming Peace. Peace.